0: Welcome to or welcome back to Not Sorry, where I, Amy, will be interviewing empowering women from all kinds of fields that are not sorry for who they became. In the day, she's known as a PhD specialist at Henry Ford Health, where she has the title of senior scientist, as well as being adjacent assistant professor teaching physics at Oakland University, as well as being an assistant professor in the Department of Neurology of Wayne State University Medical School. As if that's not impressive enough. At night, she has been represent she represents the 3rd District of Rochester Hills as vice president on Rochester Hills. City Council for more than four years. Today we have the very successful Dr. Susan Bauer. Can you tell us how you got to where you are today? Thank you so much
1: for inviting me to talk with you. It's uh, uh, my my journey to where I am has so many ups and downs. Um, and so I like to tell people that my life wasn't just a, a, a here's what the end point is and I got to it. I had a lot of ups and downs. So I had a lot of times where people would say, well, you can't do this or you can't do that. And so then to prove them wrong, I proved them wrong and got to where I am. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I got into the city politics Mm -hmm. because the city was doing something with water towers and I didn't like the idea of putting water towers where our parks were mm-hmm. and so I got pretty passionate about that okay. and so when you get passionate about something <laughs> that leads you to fight for it and then as you're fighting for it you learn about how the cities run and you learn more information that you didn't know before mm-hmm. and so afterwards you're like oh wow I, you know if I got onto the city council I could have more say about how I think the city should be mm-hmm. and because I feel like my ideas are average. And so I kind mm-hmm. of represent the average person in mm-hmm. Rochester Hills. I'm not out there as this far over here or over there. I'm just kind of like, I want, want the same basic things everybody wants in this city, right? Mm-hmm. You want to have a safe place to live. Mm-hmm. You want a good school system for the kids. And you want to have a lot of amenities like the park system. Mm-hmm. And so parks were really important to me. So my platform when I ran was that I was going to make sure that the parks were protected. Mm-hmm. And if I could expand the parks and get more areas where people could enjoy, um, we were able to add, since I've been on city council, we have added about 20 to 30 acres of extra green space for people to be able to enjoy. So that's how
0: I got on city council. I remember reading about that when I was researching about you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as long as working in the hospital and being an assistant professor for two schools, what made you decide to run for city council? Was it really just... Um, your passion you had is that your main reason.
1: And somebody asked me, uh-huh. right? So it's sometimes you don't think that you would be a you, that you could do something, but if somebody comes along and says, "Hey, I would really think it would be great if you would, um, you know, run for city council," right. and, I, and I started to think about it, and I'm uh-huh. like, "Oh, you know, I would like that job. It does fit up what I, you uh-huh. know, it fits in with my skills and uh, it." Because I live in the city, and I love this city, and I've been here a long time. (laughs) Like, you know what, I've been here long enough that, yeah, I feel like I I do know this city well, and I know a lot of people. So you can get a lot of input from other people if there's something coming up. You can ask, you know, how would you guys like this, or would you like that? So, yeah, so that was really, it's the passion. Because if you don't have the passion for this, then I would say don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it's one of those jobs where it's really a community service mm-hmm. right I'm not right. I'm not getting paid a lot of money and mm-hmm. I don't want to be paid on, right. I'd rather do it for the city for mm-hmm. the residents and so that's where you just think of it as it a volunteer service and you're just doing mm-hmm. a little bit more of it I mean you get paid some for what you do mm-hmm. every meeting you get to you get paid a little something for it, but it's just sort of a token mm-hmm. salary, so that you know it's a big time commitment but you do it because you're passionate about the city.
0: Yeah. I know you talked about this earlier, but how does like science impact you and your decisions you make when it comes to politics?
1: So because scientists are really data-driven, mm-hmm. and we get all the data, and we look at the pros and the cons, and you look at the numbers, and then from that you make a decision on something. Mm-hmm. We're usually not uh, making a decision just because it feels good mm-hmm. or it's because... What we think is right we actually look at does it make sense like is it going to help more people and so you have to look at how many people are being helped by your decision or how many people might be affected by a wrong decision and you want to make sure that we're not going to uh, impact any residents um, and make their life more difficult with any of the decisions we make Um, and so we have to really look at all the data and then make the decision.
0: Um, What do you think helped
1: your campaign to get elected? Um, I think being a long-term resident of Rochester Hills and my son was a graduate of Rochester High um, and so I he was on the soccer team and from that you know a lot of uh, other parents and so I think there's a lot of name recognition and I think if you don't have that name recognition and people know who you are and know that you're passionate about wanting the city to be good and that you're You know, you have some integrity and honesty. And I think that really helped that a lot of people knew me. Uh, And it really helps more with an election, the more people that know who you are or vicariously know you through my son. They knew my son and uh, my friends. They know my friends. So,
0: yeah. You know, I I feel like popularity is also like a big contribution, like making sure your name's well-known and everything. Mm -hmm. When you were running or like in life in general, what challenges did you have to face and how did you overcome them? I think one of the challenges
1: I had when I was running was you don't want to alienate anybody with your ideas or how you feel about things. So to try and put your ideas forth in a way that says that you're being inclusive of everybody, um, you have to start to look at that more importantly and then the transparency and make sure that, The way you're making your decisions are clear for people to see how you arrived at that decision. Um, And so those are things when you come into that political area, you have to be more aware of that, you know, integrity, honesty, transparency. Those are things that really are necessary for politics.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know that politics can be considered as like, like you play dirty. How do you avoid that?
1: I think you'd be honest I think there's a lot of that dirty is when a lot of people are lying about things right and saying one thing but going to do something else Mm -hmm. and so when you're you know so if you're just honest and you just follow with what you're saying you want to do and you're following your heart what you want to do, then I, I think you don't have to really worry about dirty politics. And I don't think running any of those campaigns where you're knocking down the opponents and saying how bad they are doesn't make you look any better. And and I feel like when I start to listen to those ads, I, I, I don't have respect for the person who's backing that ad anymore because... It's like, if that's all you can do is tell me how bad you think they are. Right. I'd rather hear how good you are. <laughs> so tell me what you can do and how you're going to make things better uh-huh. instead of just trying to tell me that this other person isn't any good. Uh-huh. Um, so I think you'd lose respect for anybody, any politician that is putting out campaign ads or smear ads. Right. I think those are just, they're not necessary in politics. Yeah.
0: So what is your favorite part in both working at the hospital and being on city council? Um, so the f-
1: best part with working at the hospital is I really get to help patients. So I do brain imaging for patients who have to go to brain surgery. So if you have epilepsy or you have a tumor, when you come to the hospital, we want to image your functional part of your brain so we can give the surgeon a good target to remove if you have epilepsy or to avoid if you have a tumor because when you're done with surgery, you want to have a quality of life. And so we really can help the surgeon and the neurologist to make a better decision on where to cut in your brain to cure you, Mm -hmm. but still give you a great life when you're done. And so that's really satisfying to have that. (laughs) Plus, I get to mentor lots of residents Uh and uh, medical students, and it's always uh, uplifting to be able to see that you're (laughs) actually touching lives and helping them to understand how cool it is that the brain imaging we can do non-invasively and look at your brain and how it works and figure out where it's going wrong and how to correct it or connect it mm-hmm. again. So that's kind of cool. And then for city council, I think just being able to say that for the future, uh, we I have personally helped to create more green space mm-hmm. parks mm-hmm. so that I know they're preserved for nature um, so that there'll be animals around in the future. And then my kids' kids' kids will be able to <laughs> walk in the parks and say, oh, I'm so glad that this didn't just become another apartment complex uh-huh. or another big you know, uh, yeah. industrial area, that we did, were able to preserve the land. Mm-hmm. And so I think for the city council, being able to make the city environment Uh, a great place to live work and raise your family which is a tagline for rochester hills but it's true it's true for i think myself and all of my friends that live here Mm -hmm. you know we wouldn't stay here if we didn't enjoy the quality of life and part of that quality is being able to have the amenities that we have Mm -hmm. Um, and being a safe city is really big Uh, Mm -hmm. and having you know the the roads plowed and the Mm This is the parks taken care of and the trash collected, and all those things. it's it's good that it all happens in a timely manner. And I think for the city, we are all part of making that run smoothly.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but when you look back, has there ever been anything that you wish you could change or like that you would redo again to make better
1: for the city? Um, I don't think so. no, I, I you know all I think, When I look at all the arguments I had on city council, (laughs) I think I won all of them. (laughs) Uh, I think my biggest challenger was uh, Miss Marita, where she was on council, um, and she's an attorney, and her and I had a different opinion about things. And um, and we would go back and forth, and uh, sometimes she would win, sometimes I would win, but I think in the end, whatever the decision came out, it was still good for the residents. But it was, um, it was always challenging to have those debates. I mean, when you're debating, is like her and I are great friends, right. and so there's nothing with politics that you can have these debates where you totally disagree, but you can still be friends and go out and have dinner together and enjoy hanging out with each other. So it's, I think it's a big thing that in politics now there's too much of that. Um, right. They're not not debating anymore. Right. They're fighting, uh-huh. and so you when you leave, you don't leave the political arena and then just become two normal people. Right. You you bring all that I don't know, say fear and hate with you, and now you're not even friends outside, and yet they're your neighbors, and you still live with them. So it's 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 just how I think the over the years the political climate has kind of changed and we've lost that and it was nice to see here that we still have that that we can still argue and debate an issue but it doesn't affect friendships and it doesn't affect like how I feel about the person it's just we're debating an issue and how we think it should be decided for the city and for the residents
0: yeah I think that's like what's also good about Rochester because it's like really just a community in itself. So not only have, do you have a Ph.D., work as a scientist, but you're also considered a politician. And usually these jobs are still typically considered as a men's job. But even then, you succeed in all fields. Does the idea that you're working in a men's field ever affect you? No, it doesn't. Um, I think my
1: colleagues at work at Henry Ford and here at the city, we, we never have any sort of division about the gender, right. um, but I think when it comes to human resources and your salary, mm-hmm. not so much at the city level, mm-hmm. but in the hospital, I'm always paid less than my male counterpart. Mm-hmm. It, just, it just seems to be that that never equals yeah. out, and... and And nobody really understands. How can we ever change this? It's just that when women come in, they're paid Uh slightly less, Um, and then just as the years go by, the males Uh are always just slightly more than you all the time, Uh Um, and so. But otherwise, it never affects. Any part of my jobs, and like I said, the colleagues that I work with, the patients, you, it never affects it. It's just the salaries um, and the discrepancy there. But I think the city has done a really great job of making sure that everything is equitable at the right. city level, which is great. So so people that work at, for the city, there is no equity uh, difference between male and female, but at Henry Ford Hospital, which is a big institution, um, you, you definitely have an equity difference there.
0: Is it noticeable, or do you have to like pay really close attention to be able? To- um, because I work on grants. Right.
1: If you're working with somebody else in their grant, they're on your grant. Uh, you'll get their salary okay. level, and that's when you'll go, "Oh, hey." You're making ten grand more than me, and we started at the same time, and we have the same degrees, so it's like. How did you end up with ten grand more than me? So it's so it's a big difference, but it's not something noticeable because most of the time, you don't have access to other people's salaries, except that in a. When you're working for a hospital or you're working to do science and you're making grants and they're going to be that you're putting in the grant you're making the whole budget page mm-hmm. and you're gonna have to pay everybody and so if i'm paying my colleagues who are helping me out i am going to see what their base salary is so um, so they'll you that's where you then see it and you go oh there is a discrepancy
0: I know um, when we talked earlier, you were saying how there wasn't a lot of women in the physics field. Can you talk more about that?
1: Yeah, so the STEM, typically, the women, um, and they say it's middle school. So in elementary school, boys and girls are both as interested in science. But mm-hmm. once we hit middle school, it seems like the girls are not as interested in science mm-hmm. anymore. Not that the boys are more interested, right. just the girls just seem to stop. Right. And we're not sure if that's a culture or uh-huh. if that's... Um, you know what happens in that middle school time but then by the time they get to high school now the girls aren't as interested in going into physics and chemistry Mm -hmm. and so when you get done with high school then you're looking at college then there's a lot less women that are applying to go into those fields Mm -hmm. as their careers and so um, I know with the American Physics Society they had come up, but then I, one year I was selected as one of the women in physics, right. and what we created was a folder for middle uh-huh. school girls to try and tell them how exciting our jobs are <laughs> and how cool we do things, right? Yeah. And so, say, you know, you know, you want to be an astronaut, you want to be a physicist, you want to be in astronomy, you want to, these are the kinds of careers you could have. And so they were trying to excite the middle school girls because uh-huh. they felt if in the middle school you could kind of create you know, an energy that, that yeah. girls would be excited to stay in these fields <laughs> moving forward, that you would, that disparity when they hit uh, college level, you would have just as many women then interested in sciences as men. Um, but they still haven't got there. So we still, even when in my field specifically, when I look at, say, out of 600 people in my specific field, there's only 100 women, there's 500 men. So it's a real
0: big difference. Yeah, I agree. Like, I notice it at school, too. And, like, in jobs in general, how there's, like, the difference between the two genders. Yeah, yeah.
1: And it's interesting, though. It's middle school,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, what, you know, what what actually,
1: actually happens in the middle school years? <laughs> it would be kind of a, would be an interesting study to figure out why do middle school girls no longer like right. physics, math, science, biology.
0: Uh-huh, and then, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Do you have any reasoning yourself, like, why that happens? The
1: only thing that kind of comes to mind is that time is when you're kind of that hit in puberty, right? Right. And so then the girls are more concerned about, like, how they look and do people like me, Uh where the the boys are not anywhere, you know, that's just, like, not in their brains yet. So Uh until they get to high school, then they're (laughs) kind of worried about how I look and does that girl like me. But but in middle school, the girls are always more worried about, do I have girlfriends do I have a boyfriend do I have somebody want to take me to the dance Uh you know who am I hanging out with and so you're kind of maybe the girls are more consumed with those and so then they they don't do as well in those areas that are sciences where you have to put more brain power Uh I think into the sciences than the English classes maybe and so at that time maybe their grades slide a little bit because they're just, just the developmental uh-huh. level they're at. That's just a hypothesis. So I
0: don't know. But. <laughs> do you think that could be partly because of like what, like culture says in society, like the stereotypes? Yeah, I mean,
1: culture could have a could have a the the way the best way to look at that would be, you know, we say in America, it's middle school is would be to go to um, to Europe or Asia and say, is it the same there? Is it uh-huh. like that that age group? Uh, do the girls? tend to do mm-hmm. less well on those tests and lose interest mm-hmm. at the same age right. in which case then I would say it's not so much culture <laughs> it's just it's just the in general, the, the, the puberty body, yeah. in general and just everybody has a desire to be liked okay. and want to be friends with people
0: um, yeah that's a really good point um I feel like that another reason why only 34 percent of women are in STEM is because of a lack of self-confidence mm-hmm. So, according to an article written by Harvard, gender stereotypes kills a woman's confidence. Do you think that's true?
1: Um, I think yeah. I think there's there's so much about society that tells us how we have to look. Like you can't be overweight. Right. You know, you can't have like lots of pimples on your face. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You, know, you can't have body odor. Uh-huh. You you know. yeah. There's so many things that we're trying to make. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and then. And then when they when the models and they show you how skinny they look and how beautiful they are and you think oh my god I'm never going to be that beautiful I'm never going to be that skinny, so then you don't feel good about yourself. So mm-hmm. I think it would be nice in society. You know, some places they do the models and they make them more realistic, right? Right. And right. So I think as the future, maybe more mm-hmm. realism on what is a what is a an ideal person mm-hmm. would be more realistic to the rest of the world than these. Um, unrealistic models who are a hundred pounds and, you know, yeah. uh, had makeup that's so caked on their face uh-huh. that you couldn't even, you would never recognize them if they didn't have the makeup on yeah. kind of thing, but you, you feel like that's how you're supposed to look. So yeah, I think that does have a lot of effect on confidence and confidence is a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. If you, if you don't have the confidence, then you feel like you can't do things. Right. Um, and so when I say a lot of times when I'm teaching a STEM class, mm-hmm. one of the things at the end of the class I say is that you really need to surround your people self with people Mm -hmm. who are going to be confident building for you so if you're around people who say you're stupid or you're no good or you can't do this and you can't do that you need to stop those friendships you need to limit the time with those people because if you hear that enough you start to believe that and that's not true right so those people that are saying that are just trying to make themselves feel better by putting you down Mm -hmm. Um, So if you don't have friends that are saying, hey, we're great together, and yes, look what we did, and we did great Uh with this project, or we can go and do this together. So you you always want to surround yourself with people who are positive. Um, And that's my biggest thing, is just keep the negative people out of your life um, and don't let people put you down.
0: I agree with that. My mom always shows me this poster that says, attitude determines your altitude. I think positivity is definitely a big factor. It is. It is. It definitely is.
1: And I think having parents that tell you you can be anything you want to be and just kind of uh, are really good at lifting you up mm-hmm. and making you feel confident, I think those are the students who do really well, right, and go on to be having great careers and because they have no limitations. Because I think your parents can limit you too, especially if they, you know, they call you stupid or they're saying oh, you're good, <laughs> which they could try not to, to you know, right.
0: tell parents, don't say that to your kids, that's not good. Yeah, I I agree, because um, not does only does that affect you, like, personally, but, like, I feel like that also is an impact um, on you, like, when you're in the workforce and what you do in the future. Has that ever affected you, like, in any way, and how did you overcome it if it did?
1: Um, so I can tell you a story. When my high school, I went to my guidance counselor, uh-huh. and I said I wanted to fly jets in the Air Force. Uh-huh. And then based on, like, you know, you take that plan yeah. test, yeah. And he pulled that out, and he looked at it, and he said, um, I don't see you flying jets. I see you being a cook in the Army. Oh. <laughs> and so I laughed, totally devastated, because that was really what I wanted to fly airplanes. I mean, yeah. like, that's what I wanted to do. So it was 10 years later I got my pilot's license, right. and I was just like, yes. <laughs> he didn't know what he was talking about. I can fly airplanes. Right. But, you know, but him saying that yeah. really, really undermined my confidence that I didn't think I could. And like I said, it took 10 years before I was able to you know go and say you know what I do want to learn how to fly a plane and I am going to do that and then I did it and so when I did it
0: that was like yes what made you like have the inspiration to like prove him wrong or to um
1: well I think like so when I was in high school um you know I had dreams of being an astronaut and I thought it would be cool and then flying a plane would be cool and Mm -hmm. it's like when you're trying to figure out what are you going to do with your life right it's like wow if I could be anything I wanted to be I wanted to fly jets in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. That was my number one job. <laughs> I didn't get that job, but that was my number one job. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think, you know, after uh, after coming out of high school, and um, I started at uh, Lawrence Institute of Technology for Mechanical Engineering, right. um, and then that didn't work out, and I dropped out. Mm-hmm. So I'm a college dropout. So even though I have a Ph.D., <laughs> I did drop out of college. And so I think being able to tell people you can change your career choice Mm -hmm. you can change up what you're doing doesn't mean you're a failure it just means that you have a lot of life events until you get to what you want to do um and so I think once I dropped out of the college then I kind of had a low spot but Mm -hmm. then it was like you know I I I live near an airport and they had a sign out saying you know you said you'd do it someday you'd learn and I was like you know what I do I still want to learn and so Once I did, I felt so powerful because I was like, gosh, that was really holding me back. I was like, for 10 years, that whole 10-year time period, I feel like in my 20s, I didn't, I wasn't career building. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't really, I started college, stopped. Then I started the associate's degree. And at least I got that two-year degree in that time period. But it wasn't until I really got in my 30s because I then had the confidence Mm -hmm. because now I had to fly planes. So that that high school guidance counselor did not know what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. So you proved them wrong. Yeah, so I proved them wrong, yeah. But it was it was a confidence boost. Right, so when somebody right. tells you you can't do something, uh-huh. doesn't mean you can't do it. Right. If you still want to do it, do it. Mm-hmm. And then you'll feel so much better when you yeah. do it.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. I think it's yeah, it's important to be able to be like, I got this. I know what I'm doing. Um, so throughout your years you've seen the different changes and um, gender stereotypes and like sexism through jobs and everything and it's been a hundred years since women could vote how far have we gone from there
1: i think we've come a long way i really do i mean when i say l- that, you know, there's very few women still in STEM, but there's a lot more than there was when I started. Right. <laughs> That's a big thing. And when I say there's a discrepancy in the salary, mm-hmm. uh, I think as the future going forward, I see that less and less with the people coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and So I think all the other things being equal, uh, women and men are really almost gender equal. Right. Uh, I think we're pretty close. I think it's been now when people look at the jobs and they're looking at who fits the mm-hmm. job, they're really looking at, you know, your experience, what you bring to the job, and they're not so look, much looking at, oh, you're a woman or you're a man. Yeah. So I think, yeah, from 100 years ago, we've gone long. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still there's still where there's a little bit more we could approve, but I think for your generation, yeah. you're not going to have to worry about all the gender... Discrimination right. that the women in my gender had to worry about, or even my mother's era was the worst one. I think there was men were picked over women all the time for the jobs and the promotions. Right. Where um, it, at my level, I think that um, you're given the opportunity, and then I think with me, it was just based on who had the better resume got that right. job or this job. It never had to do with oh she's a woman or she's a man.
0: How much further do you think we still have to work before we can have, like, gender equality as, like, 50-50%? Yeah.
1: Um, I would say we're probably 45-50. Right. You know, 45-55. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'd say that's how we are right now. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But I think I think as the future comes on uh-huh. and we have less of a division, mm-hmm. um, it, in a way, because we now have the gender neutral, right, right as yeah. well, so now... You know, gender's not such a you know it's not such a stereotype like you have to be this or you have to be this and because you're this you're going to do this or because you're that you're not going to do that uh so i would say probably in the next 10 years i would think you you have you would have a lot less gender inequality
0: <laughs> what should we do as a community to get there within the 10 years
1: Um, I don't know that the community really, I think it's the employers in the community, right? Uh So the human resource department. Mm -hmm. And as the employers become more women Mm -hmm. than men, the women aren't making decisions based on the gender as the, say, the men from the 50s and 60s (laughs) that were making decisions based on life back then were still running the companies and still making decisions based on 40-year-ago ideas. Mm-hmm. So I think as as they sort of attrition out of the workforce um, and you have more younger, diverse people mm-hmm. taking over, um, whether it's gender or racial diversity, right. I think once once you have enough of that in the echelons that are making decisions, then you'll see less and less things that have to do with, with gender or race because it just... People aren't going to be viewing each other based on that. It's it's always going to be based on, can you do the job? So final
0: question. What is something you want to tell the upcoming generation of girls? That you can be anything you want to be. (laughs) That you can do anything you want to do.
1: Don't let anybody tell you you can't. Don't Mm -hmm. let anybody hold you back. If you really want to do something, Uh you'll find a way to do it. And you'll be good at it because you're passionate about it. And I think so long as you're passionate about what you want to do, you're going to love your job. Mm -hmm. Um, Where if you kind of are just kind of going mediocre because everybody said, oh, you should be a nurse or, oh, you should be a computer person, right. but it's not what you want to do, uh-huh. you know, you've got to go to your job. Uh-huh. For a long time, <laughs> many years, you're going to have <laughs> this job. And if you don't like going to your job every single day, it's going to be a very boring life. Right. So you really need to love your job, which means you have to have really passion about what it is that you want to do. So I think figuring out what it is you want to do, And going for it no matter what anybody says is my best advice. And surround yourself with positive people. If anybody's dragging you down, criticizing you, and putting you down, you don't want them to be your friend anymore. You don't (laughs) want to hang around with them. You can limit your exposure to them at home if it's your home life. um, Then you'll have a better life. You'll have more confidence.
0: Thank you again for agreeing to come on to this episode. I think that's really important to listen to people from all different parts of life. And yours is definitely a really good one to well, hear. Well, thank you for inviting me and I so enjoyed talking with you. <laughs> thank you. Girls shouldn't be sorry because we're intelligent, strong, and capable of doing or becoming anything we want. Because in the end... I'm not sorry about who I am or who I became. Like always, stay safe and don't forget to slay. Thank you for listening and see you next time on Not Sorry.